This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, this week we talk about planning your week and we present a tool to walk you through a simple process. Plus, Rachel's trouble in Pilates and David's lack of Denmarkian knowledge. <laughs> Wait, is Denmarkian a word? <laughs> yes. Welcome oh. to the Growing Up With Kids <laughs> podcast. Oh, hey, David. Hey, Rachel. How you doing? I'm good. Good nerdy intro. Thanks. Yeah. I, that's how I roll. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> You're married a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm excited uh, because this is one of those episodes where you're going to do all the work. <laughs> we're going to talk, <laughs> talk about planning our week uh, and you do most of that and you are the one who can talk about it. So I'm just going to ask you good questions yeah. and then interject every once in a while. Perfect. And sound like a great husband when I'm... That's great. I'm an above average husband. You're above average. Um, but before we jump into it, I do actually have a real quick uh, word of the week. Okay. And it's vindicated-ish. <laughs> Tell me. Vindicated-ish. Did so, you have better success in lines this week? Uh, no. <laughs> I did not have to wait awkwardly in any lines this week. Um, so I found this article on The Guardian that was published earlier in January, and it is titled, Beat the Clock, The Surprising Psychology Behind Being Perpetually Late. No way. Yeah, so I think it was two episodes oh ago. Oh my gosh, you are always late, and now there's proof that it's okay? <laughs> yes. It is not. That's a crappy article. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's actually, uh, I mean, it's a well-written article and interesting, and we'll post it uh, in the show notes. But it doesn't really actually give any answers. It just says there are a lot of reasons that people are perennially late. Yeah, no joke. But it gives some examples. Let okay. me give you a few of these examples. So are these real life examples or are they from I the think article? So. I think the author is like a psychologist and so they're from like okay. people she's worked with. Okay. So one, she had um, a, a, a patient, is the word, <laughs> not student, a patient whose mom always took him to school late. And when the son would be like, we're going to be late, he'd be like, don't worry. People who are on time are uptight. And so that became like internalized <laughs> that being on time was a sign of being uptight. And so as an adult, he couldn't be on time. Um, also, it's common. Is that your issue? No. Okay. No, my parents Go were on, on time. Um, I mean, we were always running it tight, but they, they were much more on time. I run tight and can't tell when I'm going to be late and I'm late. Yeah. Um, people with often have lower self-esteem, so it's like, oh, no one cares if I'm late. Oh, um, interesting. That might be a little bit of mine. Yeah. It's like, I'm like, yeah, who cares? Like, no one likes me that much. No one's going to notice if I'm there or not. Yeah. This, this one was really interesting because it felt like it went like two levels deep. One of the patients um, was always late to work meetings. Uh, and as she unpacked it, it turned out that she had internalized as a child that people from her family, that people with money were evil. And so she was like subconsciously uh, sabotaging her career by oh being late because she didn't want to become evil. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then the, one of the other examples is probably one of my big ones, at least for being home late at the end of the day, is that I am really reluctant to change gears. And that's a normal thing. So, what do you mean? So, like, you're working on something and yeah. you're reluctant to be like, oh, I got to do something else. Yeah. And so that's what happens is I get in the zone at whatever, the end of the day. And then I'm like, oh, I got to just get this done. I got to get this done. And then I'm 15 minutes late coming home. Yeah. That makes but sense. There's one quote, and then we can move on, that I thought was hilarious. And you would find this funny. So, this is a quote from the article. It said, 
Late people often have a sunny outlook. <laughs> I'd like to think so. They are unreasonably optimistic about how many things they can cram in and how long it takes to get from the office oh my gosh, to the restaurant. Amen. Oh my gosh. So, that is so true. That's I wanted to bring this article just for that quote. It is like exhibit A this morning when we're trying to get out the door and we're trying to set the alarm. Or no, it's this afternoon. We're trying to set the alarm. We're trying to like close the door, close the house down. And the alarm is going and you are going to the fridge to get something I out of the fridge. I put cream in my tea that I just started steeping. And you literally have 45 seconds before the alarm starts going. We're all in the vehicle waiting for you. It's like this. And it this is not isolated. This is no. all the time. It's, it's amazing to me. Amazing. Maybe I need to see a psychologist about it (laughs) because there's something there. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, it's encouraging to hear there are others. (laughs) Yes. You didn't marry the weirdest man in the world, just a weird man. Oh, you're not that weird. You're just a little bit weird. A little quirky. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What's your word of the week? (laughs) You're going to laugh. I hope so. Toot. Toot? (laughs) Like a train? Oh, yeah. Like a train. <laughs> I was in uh, a Pilates class this week, and uh-huh. I was like a good decade, if not two, younger than everybody in there. Younger? Yeah. Oh, it that's was... nice. <laughs> I thought yeah. you were going to go the other way. It'd be no. like, oh, I was the old woman there. No, but no I you... wasn't. I was far younger, and I felt a little bit out of place. It was my first time, and I bent over, and the music was calm and soothing, I mean, everyone knows where this is going, and I farted. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was silent, and I farted. And not just a little one. It was a substantial one. A substantial two. So I I stood my ground like I held my pose and um, just let it, let it, I didn't even laugh. I didn't, like, say anything. Everyone, all these old people are looking around like, oh, who did that? Here's the thing. It's so I just great. If they were all in their sixties, they're probably all like, "Oh, it was Gladys." It was Marge, Marge, keep it shut. Every week she's farting. They're like, surely you're not- gonna run off the one young girl who came by. Surely the young girl has an ounce of bodily control. Nope, nope, not at all. It's not you. <laughs> That's fantastic. So that was funny. Um, I felt embarrassed, but at the same time, I didn't really care that much. Are you going to go back? Oh, yeah. I'm going back Thursday. All right. I'm, G- give us an update. I, <laughs> I hope I can make a friend. <laughs> you might show up and they'll all like be like, oh, it's that girl. <laughs> Seriously. It's oh. flagellant Fanny. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was my, that was sort of like the defining story of the week. Um, It doesn't define anything. It just is the funny story of the week. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So since we're talking about you planning your Pilates class for later this week, let's talk about planning the week. Hey, let's talk about planning. This is one of my favorite topics. Really? Well, I think it's very, very practical. And I really, I like listening to podcasts that, both like dig under the heart of things, but also offer offer some practical solutions to make my life easier. So this one in particular is something that we've been using for years, I guess, um, to help us plan our week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so, yeah. I have so much to say. Just say, go. Okay, rock rock so, and roll. So I'm usually, go take a nap. <laughs> 
see ya. So usually we, so we have a shared Google calendar that is easy to use and we both add things, but it's by the month, by the year, et cetera. So we're planning ahead by putting things on there, right? Yeah. I would say the Google calendar is most critical for blocking things out that are happening in the long term, the long distance. Yes, exactly. So it's a good, it's great. Um, however, what I found was that I would not be able to really do my week well. Um, and I think some people have a capability of doing this in their head, but I don't. And so we created this form after researching some stuff online, kind of combined a few ideas. We created this really simple form, which we'll have available on our um, Facebook group, the private group, for you to download. And basically, it breaks down like four different areas. So there's a daily checklist, things that I need to do daily. There's um, events, there's a menu, and there are to-do lists. And I usually start with the events and I move out from there. So to back up a little bit, the reason that we do this is to offer our family a lot of peace. Yeah. And it's when you said this is your favorite thing, I was unclear on if it's your favorite thing to podcast about or if this is like your favorite thing to do as a mom. Both. Because you do love order and structure. Yeah. And peace and both physical peace, uh, like peace in the physical space of our home as well as just in your mental and heart. Uh, And I feel like this is one of the single most... uh, impactful ways to offer order and structure started it starts with you and then that order and structure you're able to communicate and offer to the rest of the family yeah and I think that you hit on something really important like I really struggle at the end of the day to say that I did enough or like I just I kind of have these expectations that are too high and I and I feel like a failure most of the time And so this is really helpful to block out and say, okay, so this was completed today and it, I don't need to do the rest of this stuff until Thursday, or I don't need to even think about this until tomorrow morning. So that's, I think that's been helpful to pull me emotionally back in and, and live a more guilt-free parenting life. Um, And it frees me up also to not be like, I think I think that when I started doing this, I realized there's a lot of my brain space that's occupied during the day with like, oh my gosh, what am I forgetting? What mm-hmm. am I missing? What are we eating for dinner? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Is there time in the week? Da, 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 da. So this helped me lay out the week and say, okay, like this will be taken care of. I can trust that I made a plan at the beginning of the week and all things will get accomplished if I can do what I need to do today and accomplish just that. Mm-hmm. I don't need to think about all this other stuff. So it's freed up my mind a lot. Yeah. How would you describe how the day goes or how you feel about the day when we haven't uh, gone through this planning process, which sometimes happens? Yeah. I mean, that happens a lot. Um, the funny thing is that the busier things get, sometimes this is like one of the things that goes out the window, which is crazy. Like if any a time we need to sit down and reconvene. Um, so I think what usually happens when we aren't using this structure during the week is that I we end up eating out more. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend more money. Um, I end up having to go to the grocery store several times because I haven't thought ahead. I haven't thought about what we're going to do. Um, I end up 
having to like get babysitters or rides or carpools arranged the day of. And so I'm spending more time on my phone. Um, I don't have a clear sense of direction for our kids on their behalf. So homework sometimes slips through the cracks. Um, reading slips through the cracks. I mean, there's a, there's just a lot of stuff that script that gets. Yeah. I mean, some out. weeks we just lose a kid. Just <laughs> we had four, now we have three. I mean, you yeah. know, and I feel like if we only lose one out of three, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. No, I was gonna say it. Um, it's interesting to see how our kids respond well to a sense of direction and boundaries. Because many, all the things you said, fully agree with. I also feel like they don't do chores because we're not all our heads aren't around how our day is going, exactly. And so we don't give them good direction around it, and they don't just go do chores. I mean, just <laughs> yeah. like normal people and normal kids, especially. Um, and they don't know what to do, and so then the house is messier, yeah. And things aren't getting done. The dog's not getting walked, and then you and I end up doing uh, you end up doing like eighty percent of that. You and do I, too. And I pick up like twenty percent, like the dog thing, because it's cold. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm not going outside. And I'm I don't like, walk all right, in the hot or the cold. It has to be around sixty-five. Yeah. So October and April, <laughs> you're set. Um, so anyway, it just, it means we're all frazzled. They probably feel that and they end up like wanting to watch more TV or like just kind of wanting to check out because they don't have a good sense of direction. So I wanted to kind of point out, here's the negative for lack of a better, like this is the absence of this that we feel sometimes when we don't, we forget to do this or we're too busy to do it. Um, and then maybe we can talk now about a little bit around what it offers when we do it. And one of the things you said to me that I wanted you to kind of unpack is, that when you have this all put together, it makes you feel like you are free to be the CEO of the family? Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like I know a direction. Like, I think every good leader, every good um, visionary has, like, they have vision and they're able to implement it at a reasonable pace. And so they have family meetings, you know, like they have a board meeting and they're able to implement ideas and mission in a way that you wouldn't be able to do without a structure around that. And so when I do this um, schedule, and this piggybacks, I think, a lot on the other episode that we did about chore charts and contribution charts, Uh because both of these things offer boundaries and offer a structure so that we can come together as a family, as a company, and um, I can drive that and you can come alongside or you can drive it and I can come alongside, but you and I work together to bring our kids into something that's already structured and then we can move and propel our family forward. But we need to have sort of that company structure or that that mentality to, to say, hey, you are invited into something that's already built and structured. Yeah, and... Uh, just a couple of things to add on to that. So one, uh, if you want to hear the, the contribution chart uh, episode and you haven't heard it before, it's number two. Uh, it was our second episode and it is really good and really practical. And we'll make sure that that is also posted to our Facebook group. Yeah. Um, so you can access the contribution chart that we utilize. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say in the context of what you're talking about is that CEOs primarily delegate. And that's not true for moms or dads um, necessarily that you get to delegate everything. But doing this process, I think, does free you up to realize, oh, this is what David can do or this is what we can do together as a family or this is what I can do with one of our sons or what David can do with one of the sons or this is what we can hand off to our kids to do um, and set them up to do that well. Exactly. And I think that's especially relevant for parents who both are working 
very full time. Um, when you can sit down together and say, okay, who's taking on what? And, and you, I think it helps your marriage so that you don't accuse the other of not doing enough, et cetera. Like the stat of the week last week said that the mm-hmm. mom typically takes on more than the dad. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I think it is easy to become bitter if you're the one who feels like you're taking on more. But when you have a structure that you sort of fill in the slots and say, okay, all feels fair, this feels good, let's move in this, you can really work together um, within within your parameters. Yeah, and that's just a critical point. Like, Regardless of your family situation, two working parents, uh, husband stay at home, mom stay at home, whatever, uh, you need to be partners. And that doesn't mean that you end up doing 50% of the housework or 50% of the childcare each necessarily, but it does mean that you're talking and communicating and then figuring out who's the best person to do each of those things. Yes. Because we have different skill sets. And so we end up with very very different roles. Yeah. Uh, And there's certain things that both of us do depending on the day or whatever, but there's certain things that you always do. And there's certain things that I almost always do. Um, So it's not, again, about everything has to be 50-50 or we all have to do the exact same things because it's actually better for us to figure out here's what needs to happen this week and who's the best person to actually do those and why. Yeah, exactly. And I think that like if you're in a more traditional house um, like we currently are in our situation, like there, I think that there are a lot of assumptions made based on the history of family that the woman, if she's at home, should take care of everything in the house. And that the man, if he goes to work, he should do all the work um, outside the home. And um, I think that there's a misunderstanding that, like, if you don't talk about it, that can be really problematic. Mm-hmm. And so having the structure, again, like, offers context, like, offers a way to discuss this that doesn't feel threatening. It doesn't feel accusatory. Because that's where we end up, and I think we have failed in this, where like you've had expectations or I've had expectations that you would do something, and you're like, I just was at work for 12 hours. Like, I don't feel like that's a fair expectation. That's a totally fair conversation until you're like in the thick of that, right. and then it like blows up and your whole evening's shot. Yep. So having that conversation beforehand in a family meeting type context or on a Sunday afternoon saying like, this is what our week looks like. It looks like you're working a ton. It looks like you're traveling. So I'm going to need to pick up X, Y, and Z or, what? you know, balancing that out um, is really important. Yeah, I think that's right. I think doing this together, even if one person's driving it, is so critical. Yeah. Making it a partnership uh, and a source of conversation. Of, you know, So when we do this really well, you actually kind of do it by yourself. And then right when you're done, you're like, David, let's talk through this. Yeah. And then you're like, does this fit? does this work? And you ask me questions and then you like, ask, what am I missing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then like you, what's not on the calendar. And then we kind of plan for who's doing what. Exactly. So let's, uh, walk us through what's on the chart. People again can download it, but, uh, yeah. what are the main things that you try to cover and how does that give you peace and direction? Yeah. So at the very top of the chart is a daily checklist. So these are things that I prioritize for me personally that, um, help me, stay out of depression, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So some really basic things like I need to read. I choose to read a devotional or a Bible. um, But reading is important to me. Working out is important to me. Eating well, which is more of like 
check the box. Like, if I can check that box five days in a row, I feel pretty good. Um, and t- uh, 10.30 bedtime, which would be amazing if I could check the box five days in a row. But yeah. I need or more Or even, sleep. like, three days out of five. <laughs> I know. Gosh, we're, I agree. We're really bad at that. We're getting, we well, we had a good week last week. I wouldn't say yeah. we're getting better. We'll see if we can well, continue it. <laughs> I know. We're, yeah. Um, the next large chunk is the events. So this is where I really start. Um, and I've broken it down into morning, afternoon, and evening. And a good rule of thumb through the whole chart is if a box has no space for you to write anything else, you are probably too busy. That's at least a rule of thumb for our family. So if I have um, if I have a bunch of stuff planned, we need to reevaluate. Anyway, so I fill out um, especially what our evenings look like so that I can understand what kinds of dinners are going to work, et cetera. And then below that, I have the actual menu. And I've actually broken that down into a really simple form where um, I like our family to eat a protein two vegetables and a carb, and um, you might add dairy in there, whatever you value. But um, how I think about it is that, like, I can really simplify and say, okay, I just need to plug and chug. Like, I just need to plug a few things in to make sure my family's eating healthy, and it becomes really easy. So this, and then right below that is a to-do list. And again, this is very adjustable where, like, you may have room for four things that you can get done in a day, but you may have room for one thing, or you may have room for your husband to have one thing or your wife to have one thing and for you to have one thing. And so, um, and so again, rule of thumb, if my boxes are full, then I can't do anymore. I know my capacity and I have come to terms with my capacity and I can set my expectations appropriately. So I usually start with events, like I said, and then I start filling out the menu Um, And I build the menu according to the event. And so if we have like 4 million basketball games and practices on (laughs) Thursday and Friday, which happens to be our life right now, Mm -hmm. between Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I know I'm going to need to have a meal that can go along with that. So something in the crock pot or something that is really easy to grab. Or sometimes we do snack dinner, which is code word for leftovers and Fend for yourself. Vegetables and (laughs) hummus. (laughs) The other thing that I make sure that we do, and I love doing this with our family, and if you have the opportunity for it, um, chopping and preparing all your vegetables and everything at the front end of your week. Yeah, so we... uh, I might be the weirdest person in the world because I love grocery shopping. (laughs) I just love it. I, I love that about you. And I you don't love know cooking. Because you love cooking. No, it's not that. Oh, Because I love going to the mall around Christmas when I don't have to buy anything. <laughs> I love watching people. So there's something about the grocery store or the farmer's market or wherever you go. I just love it. There's, there's this, I, well, I love food. Uh, and there's this feeling of, of just hope and opportunity. <laughs> Look at all these things I could eat. Look at all the types of apples I could buy. I could just shove all this stuff in my mouth and die an early death. Oh, my um, gosh. You also come home with, like, this random stuff. Less so now, but... Yeah, well, we, yeah. when we were first married and was like, let's try all this crazy stuff, and we hated almost 95% of it. Right. But that was fine. Um, and I would buy too much, and I still have that problem. So I'm getting better at... for In our family, it works really well for you to make the list. Um, and then for me to really stick to my list, but yeah. when we ha- we this doesn't happen every week. It might happen twice a month on a, on a good season. Uh, sometimes it's every week uh, for a little while 
when we're we got more downtime, but we love to shop as a family. Some people would hate that, and that's yeah. okay. Like you don't need to do that if that's not you. Some people I know, stay at home moms, love shopping by themselves because it's like serenity for them. Yeah, no kids, the absolutely. whole deal. When our kids were younger, like taking them them to the grocery store was like literally hell on earth. Yeah. So sometimes you would go in the evening, and <laughs> I would be putting the beds, yes. kids to bed, and it's like that's a party for you, right? Yeah. So do it how you like to do it, but um, we like to do it as a family. The Boys do not. Our kids do not enjoy it, and that's okay. Like, but they get into yeah. it, and we give them jobs and send them around, and they find stuff. Yeah, and, and I think adventure. it's important for them to see that food comes from somewhere, and someone is buying it. Like, yeah. it doesn't just like appear on the table. Yeah, you know, it, it grows in a grocery store. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but the the meal planning thing, like we've tried all the like make seven meals in advance and all, and that doesn't work for us. Right. But because we suck at consistency. Yeah, but, and yeah. well, and you gotta like buy all this stuff. It feels like in bulk, and you need a bigger fridge to store all these casseroles. And it's just yeah. stuff you can make ahead. Does, our kids don't really eat that much. Sorry, our socially awkward dog is eating again. <laughs> so it's been a few episodes. So if you're new, you haven't heard him before, but he's back. Yep. Um, <laughs> so, but so for us, what works for prepping the week is chopping vegetables. So we buy a lot of peppers, like just green, red peppers, carrots celery. Right. Um, and then we just chop the heck of those things and put them in bags right. uh, or in Tupperwares or whatever. Um, and that way a kid a kid comes and says, I'm hungry. You're like, go get something, a healthy snack. And they grab a bag of carrots and they eat it with hummus or up on its own, or they grab celery and eat it with peanut butter. Exactly. And that's like, they know that they can get that and they don't, they don't have to essentially ask for permission because it's good for them. Right. Or for me, I wake up and I'm running late because apparently I have a psychotic issue or psych- <laughs> psychological issue. You're not psychotic. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> um, and I can just grab like a bag of peppers, an apple, and a gra- bag of carrots and okay. at least know that I have some healthy snacks to eat throughout the day and then I'll figure out lunch, right? Yeah. So that has worked for us and it's become a good chore for the kids to get involved in because yeah. I can almost guarantee that if your child is four or older, they would love to play with a knife, <laughs> right? And you, yes. you, you need to know when your kid's ready for this and how sharp a knife you should give them. Like, give them a butter knife maybe. But, like, having our kids help us chop vegetables slows the process down, actually, but it, they love it. Um, it gives them something to do. It is work. It's it, and it's kind of hard on their fingers. Like, yeah. uh, it's it's not the funnest thing to do after a while. It's hard um, on their fingers because they chop them off. No, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> We've never been to the emergency for that particular. That's problem. right. Um, so anyway, it, we don't do it every week, but it it often becomes um, kind of a good family routine. Yeah. And then sometimes it's like you'll go grocery shopping and I'll do the chopping, or sometimes you'll. You know, we don't get to do it over the weekend, and so that'll be your one task on Monday right? on your planned week, and you're going to go and get the groceries and do all the chopping. Yeah. It doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be rigid. You don't have to do it perfectly. You don't have to do it the same. But um, that's been a really helpful tool for the meal planning and the snack planning, would you say? Yeah, and I think it does set our boys up to, to be part of the process. Yeah. And I like that. Anything that you can do to invite your kids along on the ride I think is great. Um, and helpful to send them off to college someday where they're going to have to do their own stuff yep. and not just eat cereal like I did. <laughs> <laughs> Our kids are going to eat tons of cereal in college. Yeah, tons. <laughs> they already do. Which is better. I used to buy with my roommate a um, Krispy Kreme. They had, we Gross. didn't have a Krispy Kreme, but you could go to the grocery store and get six 
cream filled chocolate covered oh, and we Lord. would split those each eat three I oh mean, my god that's gosh. gotta be three thousand <laughs> calories i don't know and it, oh man to be young again i know and it probably didn't even show up on you you still probably had to run around the shower to get wet you yeah, know yeah. gosh so all right is there anything else you want to touch on before we kind of close it out um no i just i would like to just reiterate that this is not something to um hold with tight hands you know like some weeks we it's similar to the chore chart. Like some weeks we do a really great job and then other weeks we don't. The other really important thing that I want people to know um, is that this is a really helpful tool for folks like myself who tend to have expectations that are um, astronomical for yourself, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom. There's this idea that you should be accomplishing or doing X, Y, and Z. And those things sometimes live in your head. Um, and then at the end of the day, like I mentioned earlier, it's really easy to feel like I didn't accomplish anything or this isn't enough, or I don't, I don't feel good about myself. And so this is really helpful for me personally to look at, look at the week and say, oh, this is enough. Um, and I think especially when our kids were young, just thinking about nursing and napping and all of that stuff that goes into being on maternity leave or being at home with your kids when you start writing it down with how much time that actually takes, I think it's helpful to take a snapshot and say, oh gosh, I really can't accomplish that much during the day. And it helps you at the end of the day say, job well done. You know, like it's, it's a little more hopeful. Yeah, and this is, this is a place where spouses can be of real service to step in and say, let's be realistic about what you should be getting done. Because yeah. what you should be getting done if your child is three months old and you're still breastfeeding and all that is much lower than if all your kids are in elementary school right. uh, and above. But even if you have kids in elementary school, I think that one of my roles is to talk through with you your very high expectations for yourself and, and find a good balance of like what's realistic while yeah. still being uh, valuable use of your time. Exactly. And your job is to gently, very gently say, hey, you may need a few more things to do or (laughs) (laughs) maybe you need more hours at work or, you know, things like that. I mean, I honestly don't think that's ever been the problem. I know, (laughs) but I do think that there are people out there who might feel that way about their spouse where they're like, hey, I think you might need a few more things to do. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. So and And another thing, well, last point is that I think specifically coming from um, a mom's perspective, there's a lot of pressure to volunteer at school. There's a lot of pressure to volunteer in your neighborhood. Like there are a lot of opportunities, especially if you say that you're a stay-at-home mom, there's an assumption that you're doing nothing all day. And so again, using a structure to look at your time and say, gosh, that really, I, I am really doing nothing all day or... Um, I'm, I am doing too many volunteer projects and unable to get like the basics of what I'm supposed to be doing with my family completed. So I think I'm a big fan of structure because it offers so much freedom and that's, that's the goal. That's what we want to encourage. Absolutely. And I think that is a great freedom! place. What's that line? Is that it? They can take our lives, but they can't take our Freedom! <laughs> Yes, Rachel, that is the line. And everyone just turned their volume way down. (laughs) (laughs) All right, with that, let's go to the stat of the week. Stat of the week. All 
Rach. So, Rach. <laughs> you gave me a homework assignment last week. Yeah. And I was able did to. You th- did you think about it? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was taken aback by the question. Of course I thought about it. Do you, do you ask me to do things that I don't think about it? Is that? Well, I sort of thought that maybe I just gave you this like homework assignment like, oh, she's cute. That's funny. We'll never talk about it again. <laughs> no, I mean, it's recorded. People will listen to this. So they're going to know. know if I, I never do it. I can't believe that. <laughs> so I came across an article in The Economist um, that had, it's part of their daily chart. So it's actually got some graphics that are fun. Um, even if you aren't a subscriber, I believe you can see the charts, which is what I'm working off of. Awesome. And we'll post that in the show notes. So the headline is, I'm going to give away one of the stats before we get into the question. Headline is, parents now spend twice as much time with their children as 50 years ago. So interesting. They looked at data across um, 10 or 11 uh, what they call rich countries, so industrialized nations around the world, and looked at how much time mothers and fathers separately and together uh, spent doing childcare each day Hmm. um, by education level, which is kind of interesting. So, university educated versus non university educated. Uh, Of the countries they looked at, all of them except for one. The amount of time that parents have spent doing childcare has gone up, and in most cases, pretty significantly. Hmm. I'm going to give you the ten countries. Okay. You're going to tell me which one actually dropped. The amount of childcare dropped since 1965 to so, 2012. And when childcare, you mean like the amount of interaction that parents are having with their children? The like amount of time they are spending doing childcare activities. Uh huh. Okay. And there's one that dropped. Yeah, one out of the only one. I'm ready. All right. I it's think probably the, the wisest country. I think these are in alphabetical order, so I won't give it away. Okay. Uh, Britain, Canada, France, Germany, Denmark, Italy, your motherland, the Netherlands, Slovenia, Spain, or the United States. Which one saw the amount of time parents spent doing childcare actually decrease from 1965 oh. to 2012? I don't even have any logic around this, so I'm just going to name the one that feels most obscure to me, which is Slovenia. Oh, interesting. So Slovenia um, is not as big a jump up as many of the countries. Uh Um, For fathers, it's actually pretty flat, although uh, university-educated fathers did go from about 25 minutes to closer to 50 minutes uh, a day. Um, That's between 1960 and now. 65 and 2012 is when the data is from. Got it. Uh, in Slovenia, women went from like, again, I'm estimating off, off these charts, but like about 60 to 100 minutes. So pretty, uh, if they were university educated, whereas the non-university were flat. The answer is France. Really? Yeah. So looking at this, um, mothers spent about 100 minutes a day in 1965. French mothers did uh-huh. doing childcare duties. And that's dropped probably to 60 or 70 minutes a day. So how does that compare their starting point in 1965? How does that compare to other countries? Look at you, like rocking really thoughtful questions. It was way higher. That's a good point. So they started way higher and maybe now they're recalibrating, like becoming more even. Yeah, but they're now lower than almost all of the ones that they looked at. Really? Yeah, so they went from highest uh, in 1965, great point. Uh, whereas like Canada was just over 50, Germany was a little bit higher than that. The U S was also a little above 50. Spain was very low. 
Denmark was like non-existent. Apparently, Den- Denmarkians. What are they? The Denmarks. The Danish. The Danish. Look at that. Yeah. Um, I know my Nordics. Yeah. No, you're Nordics. No, you're Nordics. <laughs> they spent like no time with their kids, and now they spend over 200 minutes a day. Whoa. They're the only one over uh, 200 on this thing. It's interesting. crazy. You know what is also interesting? Don't they have the highest um, like ratings in schools or education? Why do you keep giving me homework? Homework next week. I'm we will look that. at all the benefits of being a Nordic person next week. Okay. That well, sounds good. I don't well, know. I'll look at is, something. What are the U.S. numbers? Did you already say those? Uh, so for mothers, it was a little over 50, 55 minutes in 1965. It's diverged a little bit, so university-educated mothers spend what looks like 110, 115 minutes a day, and non-university-educated are more like 95 minutes. And would you say that non-university-educated spend less time with their children? Is that what um, All these charts the make shows? it look that way, and I would imagine that's probably less desire and more opportunity, right? Like their jobs are probably... Um, they have less control over their time, uh-huh. but they also probably have less knowledge of all the research around like reading and so much with your kids and doing all these things. So it could be a combination of the two. Interesting. Yeah. And, our and again, Indian, those are on averages. Our, we have some Australian listeners and I don't know, do we have anyone in China? Well, anyway, I'm this just is asking, the, yeah. is any of this data from, it sounds like from the UK and from the United States and Canada? Yeah, so it's, pr- it's essentially areas? North America and some European countries is what okay. was part of this study. Super interesting. Wow, good homework. Thanks. Good job on your now homework. Now i got to do like a whole study on <laughs> the happiness of Denmarkians. <laughs> <laughs> on the Danish. I should have known that because of uh, that play we love. Um, we love it so much we can't remember the name of it. Yeah, the one about uh, Shakespeare. Ah, something rotten. Yeah, because there's a joke because... Um, Man. <laughs> if you'd like to turn us off now, yeah. you're welcome. Let's you should, just call it sure, a day. But you sure should go us. see something rotten. It's fantastic. It is. Share this with a friend who needs to know about life in Denmark and uh, and or needs some help uh, planning their week. Yeah, make sure that you visit our Facebook group. The It's called Growing Up With Kids Discussion, and it's a private group. Um, you can get to it through our Facebook page, but there we'd love to foster a discussion around this. But um, the free download will be there along with the contribution chart that we talked about a while ago. Awesome. Rachel, thanks yeah. for working on the farm. Hey, thank you for working on the farm. Check ya. Yeah.